This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Everyone's awake, huh? Yes, thank you. (laughs) Man, that last melody that Megan was singing. So much better, better your way. I just got lost in it a little bit there. (laughs) Man, can we pray? There's there's a lot on my heart, and my heart's also, it's like really expectant for this morning, and it's also been one of those seasons where you know who the Lord is, and yet the week that you're in just feels like so much. You know what I mean? And so I'm kind of right in the middle of that, and I'll share in a moment, but I just want to ask the Lord to do everything he wants to. Because if he's as good as we believe he is, and we believe that, right? How good is he? Always better than you think. That's the answer. Just when you think, like, I'm understanding the goodness of God. You don't. And next year you're going to look back and think, I I knew so little. And this is maybe the glory of eternity. Is his goodness is infinite. How good is he? He's always better than I thought. Always. Always. So let's ask that good father to do what he wants. Jesus, we love you and we love your dad, our dad. And we just ask by your name, Jesus, that your spirit would have full freedom and authority to do everything today. You've already been healing. You've already been ministering to. You've been empowering. You've been convicting. You've been awakening because it's what you do. You love to. Your saving us is not just for a time to come, it's also for today. So we praise you, O great Savior of our souls, Jesus. Father, we talk to you. For your son said that in this day, we can go right to you. For you love us the same way that you love him. So we praise you that right now your ear is leaning in and not from galaxies away, but from right here, that every need, every longing, you are so faithful to know, to act, and to win every time. Father, we don't want this to just be another gathering that, that, that marks a typical Sunday morning routine. We're here to meet with the living God, and the living God is already here to meet with us. So we're expecting our ears are open, our eyes are open. Thank you for giving us ears to hear. Thank you for giving us eyes to see. Thank you that it's not in my striving I will understand. It is by your generosity. So we're all just students here. We call out to Rabbi Jesus. In the same way you taught then, teach us now. And you said that everyone fully trained by the teacher will become like them. And not greater, but just like them. So Jesus, our teacher, What a greater way to glorify you than to learn you and to walk like you. By your spirit, let it be so. Let this be a holy morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're in our bravery series, and today we're talking about the courage of Christ. And 
This is this was this morning actually. I was pressed on my heart the amount of times that we we greet each other, or more so, we dismiss one another by this common phrase of "be careful" or "be safe," and how much this actually like like almost infiltrates even to the depths of our prayers sometimes. So if you haven't learned the trifecta of the American prayer, I want to teach you. It's, dear Lord, thank you for this day. Please keep me safe and bless my mac and cheese. Amen. If you pray these three things, you've covered it all. You've also forgotten how to actually ask the Lord from your own heart. But it's kind of all we've learned, you know, and I'm not saying that they're bad things to pray. Are you grateful that this is the day the Lord has made? I am. Today's the Lord's day, right? And so is tomorrow and the next day. So so like if it comes out of the overflow of our heart, thank you, Lord, for this day. I'm so grateful. If it comes out of the overflow of our heart, Lord, guard me and keep me where I walk. If it comes out of the overflow of my heart, thank you for this food you placed before me that I didn't toil or labor over. I just expressed hunger and maybe put it on a credit card. And before me is this beautiful hot meal. Thank you, God. But instead, sometimes they're just like those phrases that come out, you know? And I wish that for every time I've heard the phrase, be careful, be careful, be safe. I wish instead, maybe I heard, be brave. Because I think it would have trained me differently. But instead, now I walk into scenarios thinking, how can I make sure I self-preserve or like mitigate the damage? But instead, it's like, how can I take care of myself? Maybe he would have taught me, how do you look through the lens of what I'm doing? Or how can I empower you to go take a mountain? You know? Like, we keep... Jesus is like, you'll speak to the mountain and it'll be moved. And we're like, this is awesome. Let's put it on our fridge. I love that. I might even put a decal on my car. But like, when was the last time we actually talked to a mountain and said, get out of here now, you know? Or even more so, the Lord's like, I gave you that mountain. That's your inheritance. Go build a city on top of that. Caleb did it. Remember when Caleb, he goes to Joshua and he's like, Moses promised me land. And I might look old, but I'm young. So give me the mountain. And Joshua's like, go for it. The mountain was still overrun with the enemy. Caleb goes up there, kicks their butt, takes his mountain that the Lord gave him. And I don't think he was thinking, how can I be safe? He was thinking, how can I be brave? So many blessings of the Lord are are forfeited because we're just thinking, how do I keep myself protected? Instead of how do I receive what he has to give me? Also, we rob him of the opportunity to protect us in some way because... When was the last time we really thanked the Lord for his intervention over my life? I've, I've, I've kind of tried to do it myself, you know? Um, I, I wanted to, man, I, I just wanted to, like, we just started going in, but before anything, I just wanted to boast in Christ and also set this time up by saying that it's a beautiful thing to be a son of God, and you're allowed to say that. It's a beautiful thing to be a friend of God, and you're allowed to say that. It's beautiful. How good is it to companion with Jesus, right? How good is it when you have those moments where you hear his whispers right when you need them? You're desperate for him, and he comes through because he's your friend. How beautiful is it that you never have to shake or be afraid when you go into the presence of the Lord because he's not welcoming in a servant. 
He's welcoming in a son, and that's different. And we will be those sons that serve the rest of our days. But remember when Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, I don't call you servants anymore. That's like a big thing, right? I don't call you servants anymore. And I wonder if Peter, it's not recorded, but I wonder if Peter's like, yes, master. And he's like, wait, wait. This is what your gut, just your like knee-jerk reaction is. But I don't call you servants anymore. I call you friends. Because I told you everything the Lord, my father, told me to tell you. I wonder, I, I mean, we only speculate, but I wonder if maybe they stopped calling him master in the same way. And I'm, he will always be, right? But I wonder if maybe he's like, I wonder if Peter's like, if Jesus calls me friend, do I get to do that? Of course. So much of what we think about the Lord has everything to do with how we see he sees us. So I kind of wanted to start by, by, by saying caution and concern Caution and concern sometimes mask themselves as wisdom, but it's not bravery. It's not courage. It's sometimes looking through the lens of what's the worst that could happen. And, like, keeping it nice and light. Do we have any, like, worst-case scenarioers in here? Like, just be real. Just be real. Worst-case scenario, someone's going to see you raise your hand. Not a big deal. Okay. The worst-case scenarioers. I have a really good friend. I just thought of this. He's wonderful. This is his life motto, and it's kind of funny and kind of sad, okay? It's preparing you. And he's like, if I expect the worst, then anything will just be an upgrade. Does anyone kind of live like that? Anybody over here? Okay. Listen, you might kind of be right, but my heart breaks because how many joys of life are sometimes not even seen because you're waiting instead for the loss, you know? It's impossible to enjoy the beauty of the trees if you're just guarding your pocket to not be pickpocketed. Excuse me. Yeah, is right. So all of it's really to say this. As we jump in, we're going we're gonna to learn about the courage of Jesus. But not just to look at him and say, wow, that's awesome. Even though he's worthy of that. But also to look on and say, if it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And if he or she that's joined themselves together with the Lord is now one spirit with him, then that means that the spirit of Jesus lives in me. So by studying his courage, I'm learning about my own. Which I know sometimes feels weird to say, but it's true. So we're going to lay aside caution and concern, and we're going to ask the Lord to teach us more about courage. Okay? Yesterday was a hard day for me. I'm kind of carrying it in today, today a little bit. It's, it's, like, it's like one of those where you feel the burden of something, but you know the goodness of God, so it's not unto, like, despair, but it's still unto, like, you got that thing in your stomach. You know what I mean? Where you're like, I know God's faithful, but I feel like I want to throw up, you know? And I think it's okay to live in that, like, that pairing. I'm not going to do it here for those of you that don't want to see that, I promise. But one of my closest friends got a call, I got a call 10 days ago that they actually went in to see why his stomach problems of the past month has, hasn't subsided. And so, and they find the mass, and they find another mass, and like another mass. And you've had the call before. Some of you, this has been an experience of, of your life. And uh, immediately, I'm, I'm listening to them tell me over the phone, I'm not even in the state, so I'm kind of, you know, that helpless feeling where you're like, I want to go hug you, but I can't even do that. 
And so I get off the phone and, and I'm like mix of emotions. I'm like, okay, God, I know you're good. I'm also really mad, you know, because these are some of those people that it's like, they're not allowed to get cancer, you know, you know, those people where it's like, they, if anyone's not going to get cancer, it shouldn't be them, you know? Sure enough, there's the diagnosis, and I'm just angry, and I'm walking like a bipolar person, like, I'm mad, and you're good, you're good, I know you're good, I'm so mad, you know? And I've been feeling this the past week. Yesterday, I got to go to the hospital and see him in the hospital bed. So it's been, it's been 10 days, okay? And it's gone over the place from, like, this can't be treated to maybe it can be, and maybe there's no hope, and, like, all these things. And finally, a treatment that might do something, you know? And, uh, and he's in the process of it. And we're believing that the chemo, and at the end of the day, I, I have very little faith in chemo. I have faith in the Lord. I know the Lord is good. But as I'm sitting with him and his wife, two of my, my close friends who I love dearly, I love them. Like I feel the love of the Father for them. I'm listening to him and I'm realizing, gosh, like we're going to talk about bravery tomorrow. But a better sermon would have been if anyone in here could have just sat with him for a little bit and listen to him. Because here's a man whose soul is totally submitted to the Father. And it's not that he's not grieved. But this is his wording. And this is how he wants me to pray. He says, I am so confident in the goodness of my God. I just want to ask him to have his way. I'm just going to say, have your will. Because you're so good. So I don't even have to ask for anything specific. If I ask for his will and he gets what he wants... It's going to be the best thing ever. And I'm like conflicted, you know, because immediately I'm like, yes, that's true. But I need to put my hands on your body and and yell at the cancer in Jesus name, which I still do. (laughs) But I'm listening to a different kind of resolve where he knows the goodness of God and he's content in it. So I, I wish like I walked out of there driving home thinking like, I just wish all of you could have sat there with me and looked into the eyes of a man who knows who his dad is and knows that he's a son and everything's going to be okay. And same thing with his wife. They're just resolute. Yeah, you can, you can praise the Lord for that. It's, it's, it's supernatural is what it is. And honestly, at one point I was even thinking this. This man is filled with the spirit of God. When he said, I don't want my will, I want his will. That's not the first time that he said that. Because it's the spirit of Christ in him that testified to those words. They were just repeated from 2,000 years ago. He learned that from the spirit that indwelled him. So his courage isn't something he has to pull from down deep and be like, just be brave. Just be brave. And you look in the mirror and you're like, I'm not brave. Well, just be brave. That's the answer. That's like saying, be clean in the mirror. You can't, you're not going to clean yourself into existence. Jesus himself is the one who does the work, not just of cleaning you, but empowering you. And that's why we condemn ourselves, because we're like, I wish I wasn't so afraid. I wish I could just be brave. And then we hate each each other. (laughs) We hate ourselves. And we're like, the Lord's not worthy of a son or daughter like me. And then we go back into slave mode, and then we try to work hard to fix it. But you were never supposed to teach yourself how to be brave. Remember, you died and your life was hidden with Christ in God. It's no longer you that live, it's Christ that lives in you. Which means you've already died. What's the worst that can happen? Now Christ is alive in your body and his courage is yours. So it's, so it's different to just, like there's so many places I want to go. I kept asking the Lord, like what do I talk about? Because one, I don't feel brave, confession. 
That's the word I totally would not have used for myself. I've been the, the safe man most of my life. I love taking risks, but only in some regards. Other regards, I'm like, let me just figure it out before I go in. Not just for me, but for everyone else involved. And some of you are that way too. You're like extra caution, not just for me. Who cares about me? It's for everybody else. And sometimes that's a godlike attribute. And sometimes it's an idolatry that leads to robbery for everybody. So in some ways, I want to instill bravery into you, but I'd so much rather expose you to bravery himself and remind you that he's already inside. For through the power of the Spirit, courage isn't something to be stirred up, but just received. There's no need to feed you a meal if you're already stuffed. Maybe just a little pat on the belly is the only reminder you need. We ask him to make us brave. And he responds, I have, for I am. It is not your resume that you hold up walking into that situation. Like, I know that, that you, you can kind of probably claim this over every sermon. You could say, like, I know someone in the room is one of those. But I, but I really believe in my heart that people are wrestling with faith and courage right now in this season of time. Even the past week or two, I haven't had more calls or texts about sickness and death than in the past week, almost every day. So-and-so passed away, pray for their family. So-and-so just had a baby. They're in the hospital, choking, might not make it. So-and-so, and every day, I'm, sh- I'm like, I'm shocked. And our courage is being tested. And the Lord is going to receive a beautiful gift from his bride in the way that we rely on him right now. That's what's going to happen. So who is this great man of courage that lives in you? I want to remind you. He's the one who transitioned between realms and universes to come here and find you. He's the one that took 39 lashes on his back at the hand of a mere mortal. He's the man that went 3-0 against Satan. Clear winner. He's the one that stared death in the face and won so that you would win. The rejection of man, the hatred of the religious hierarchy, the lifeless, pharisaical stoning. He faced all of it. And this is your resume now. You hold up your resume, there's your name, and there's all of Jesus' exploits. Which is nuts. Because you're like, that's, not, that's just too good. Exactly. As soon as you think you know the goodness of God, you're probably not there just yet. Mercy, man, mercy was Jesus taking your place on the cross. Grace is him taking your place in your life. So it's when he made the switcheroo, mercy, pardon, awesome, so good. Thank you, Jesus, for eternity. Are you thankful that we don't fear death anymore? Isn't that cool? We don't fear death anymore because I know where I'm going. But you know what else is cool? We don't have to fear life either because grace is when Jesus puts his own nature in you and says, it's not you anymore. Stop trying so hard. I love one of the teachers I listen to. I love he says, and sometimes we try to pay him back. And we're like, God, I... I need to give you something for this. Here's some mud. And Jesus is like, I, I, please, I, I don't need anything. And we're like, how about mud mixed with poo? You want some of that, Jesus? And this is like our greatest, you know, attempts at giving him something. And all he wants is, you're my son. You're my daughter. My nature is in you. Second Peter says that we are the partakers of the divine nature with him. What the heck? We haven't even opened up the door to that one. We are partaking in his goodness and his nature every day. Man, I'm, this matters a lot to me. <laughs> um, can you flip to, actually, I'll read this to you. I want to remind you the, um, the stock that you come from. 
This is Hebrews 11. What more can I say? Time is too short for me to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the raging of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength and weakness, became mighty in battle, and put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Other people were tortured, not accepting release so that they might gain a better resurrection. Others experienced mockings and scourgings, as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They died by the sword. They wandered in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. And the world was not worthy of them. This is the bravery and the courage that you come from. This is your lineage now. This is your lineage now. This is kind of neat. The more I've grown, the more I've realized that the things about my mom and dad that I've always loved and also kind of drive me crazy, I'm becoming those things, kind of, you know? So instead of, like, fighting against it with everything, now I'm just like, okay, how can I learn how to enjoy this, you know? If I'm going to kind of become like that, I'm just going to enjoy it instead. And they're amazing, some of the best people I know. But still, you know, even if you have the perfect mom or the perfect dad, there's still that thing that you're like, I can't deal with that for very long or else I'm going to lose my mind. But what's neat is being grafted into a different family. Now our lineage that we're becoming like is Christ and his spirit in the saints. Isn't that nuts? I can't believe it. Um, let's jump into this. Why is Jesus brave? And as we, as we ask this question, don't just answer because he's God, which he is. But he's also the firstborn of many, which makes you the nextborn. This is important to know because sometimes we just see Jesus as the descended God, but he is also the exalted man. And that's important because the exalted man is the one that we can look to and say, you taught me how to live. I want to be like you. So why was Jesus brave? Let's just go right into the first one. He's brave because he knew who his father was. Good. That's the answer. Good. Can we, uh, can we go to John chapter 5? I love the way that Jesus speaks about his father here. And it made a lot of people mad, which is kind of typical. Let's do Matthew 5 and 17. So going into this, Jesus had just healed someone on the Sabbath, which is like a no-no. Because the law was exalted high above the love of the Father in that time. And Jesus says, my Father is still working, and I am working also. And this is why the Jews began trying all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own Father, making himself equal to God. And Jesus replied, truly I tell you, the Son is not able to do anything on his own. That's a big thing to say. Do you know Jesus said that? The son can't do anything by himself, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son likewise does these things. Verse 20, for the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. And he will show him greater works than these so that you will be amazed. So I just, I want you to know if you don't have context that this was blasphemy back then. That when Jesus said, God's my dad, that was, that was raging against the system. The Pharisee's dad was Abraham. That was their dad. But to say that God is my father, 
they pick up stones. It was time to execute this man. And it gives so much more beauty to when you read, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. When Jesus is like, this is how you pray. First, start by calling God your dad. Because he is your dad. And you've been seeing him as a turned away, father, uh, turned away Lord or God for so long that you don't even, you're not even connected to the heart of your father anymore. Even when Jesus resurrected and he's leaving, the last thing he said, maybe not the last thing, one of the last things, was I'm going away now to be with my God and your God, my father and your father. He was saying it again, God is your dad. And if God is your dad, that makes you his kid in every way. So Jesus is celebrating here the goodness and the reality of God being his father. 1 John 3, I'll just read it to you. I love this. This is John, the disciple of Jesus, regurgitating what he had learned watching Jesus live. And John says in 1 John 3, what manner of love the father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God and we are. And I think he was so amazed because it was new. He's like writing it realizing in reference to everything Jesus said, God is my daddy. He's my daddy. Jesus wasn't moved by the threats of stoning because he was too moved by the thoughts of his father, which is kind of crazy. Imagine the scenario. Jesus is speaking this as the people all around him pick up stones and are about ready to like bludgeon them into his head. And he doesn't care because he knows this is who my dad is. I need to speak I need to be courageous in the midst of fear because this truth is greater than that deception. I want to define bravery for you since I skipped over to my notes. Ready? This isn't from Webster, but I believe this reflects the heart of the Father and courage. Courage is walking in agreement with who God is when disagreement or deception stands opposed. So faith is knowing who God is, agreeing with who God is, but courage is standing in it when something else stands against you. So David did it. David did it when he stood against Goliath. David knew God was good. David knew that God is gonna protect him. But then a great big man on the other side of the army, the battlefield, starts shouting blasphemies against God. And courage presents itself as an opportunity. I will stand in what I know, even though something else stands against. Caleb and Joshua did it when they went into the promised land and saw how beautiful it was. They came back and everyone said, we can't, we can't take this. And they said, we can take this. For we know who God is, even in reference to the thing that stands against. So important. So Jesus stood in the full confidence of who his dad was. And part of God's goodness is his presence. You can say it this way, that presence preserves our courage. I saw this so, so beautiful video that I think reflects the heart of the Lord. And I want to tell you about it. Okay. YouTube videos are my, like, guilty pleasure. So I get lost in squirrel videos and, like, people falling off ladders and stuff. But they're okay. They're, they're usually okay. And, and this one video I found was, like, I want to be like that boy. Okay? So this mom and dad are videoing from the back of this recital. And in walk the line of kindergarten kids. And they're all walking in the way that kindergartners walk in, you know. And, and one of them is, like, searching the crowd And his posture is kind of like this. And he's looking. And you can tell he's looking for mom and dad, right? And it's cool that the people videotaping were his parents. 
So eventually you just see him like lock eyes with the camera and the joy comes and his posture comes up and he goes from this to, you know, and he goes up there and does his stuff. I don't know what his role was. He could have been the main role or he could have been grass, but he was so happy that his parents were there. And this is a part of knowing God as our father is being confident in his presence so I made reference to Joshua, but I want to say it again. Joshua and Joshua chapter 1. In fact, go there. If you have your, your Bible or your phone, flip over to Joshua 1. We're going to read it. Because Joshua was one of those people we see in the Old Testament that represents a type of Messiah for us. And in the same way that Moses could get us to the promised land but not through, the law could get us to the awareness that we'll never make it in. But Joshua, just like Jesus, was the one to bring us all the way in, which required courage. So Joshua 1. Courage was built up and stripped based on the presence of God in that time. And I, I, it really should have never changed. But Joshua 1, you've heard this before. I want to read verse 6 and verse 9. Be strong and courageous for you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers to give them as an inheritance. And verse 9, haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous, and do not be afraid or discouraged. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go, which was so much more than enough for them. Even Moses said in Exodus, he said, if you don't go with us, we can't do it. I can't go. If you come with me, I'll go. If you don't go with me, I, I, I'm not going to go. Because being alone without the power of the presence of the Lord was the greatest fear then, and should be the greatest concern now. The good news is, is we never have to think about that again because we carry the Spirit in us. But you know, sometimes you're so much exposed to a good thing that you forget you have it. It's kind of like that. When was the last time you walked into a scenario and you're like, God? It's like, oh no, I know. I'm the temple of the, I have the Spirit of God in me. And yet, is that something we still celebrate? Is that something that still keeps us walking in victory? Or is it something that we have completely grown up to? I hope not. I don't want to. And look in verse 16 through 18. Let's just look at 18. The people are responding to Joshua, and they say in that last sentence, above all, Joshua, be strong and courageous. They were saying, we're with you wherever you go. They weren't there in the conversation, but the Spirit of God spoke through them to remind Joshua, if God's presence is with us, we will be strong and we will be courageous. It's so important to know. So um, let's just say this. How you can walk in courage today, first one, just thank him for his goodness and presence and remember that he's good. Remember that your dad is your dad. Remember that you have the nature of your father in you. And he's the one, when you walk into a room, do you look for his eyes? Do you find his eyes? And does it bring you joy? Is that the very thing that keeps you moving forward? The next thing I want to just talk about is, is um, why is Jesus brave too? Because he knows who he is. So he knows who his father is, but what's important is you can exalt the Lord all the day long and never realize sometimes how that impacts you. But that's important, not because we are the ones to be exalted, but because in light of his glory and grace, we become transformed into his image. So if we look at Matthew 3.16, I'll flip there. I'm going to read it because I like reading out of the little pages of this thing. This is when Jesus gets baptized and he comes up, it says, when Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water and the heavens suddenly opened for him. Let's use our imagination for a second instead of just reading through a story. Let yourself go there. 
Jesus comes up from the water. The heavens opened up. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. So these are the words that Jesus hears from his father before he does any ministry at all. He didn't just raise Lazarus. He didn't just distribute the food. And then the father's like, that was good. This was just coming up from the water. And the father's like, let me identify who this is. And Jesus carried that for his whole ministry. My beloved son. Think about the, the connotation of it. My, he claimed ownership. He could have said, this is your beloved brother. But he said, this is, this is my beloved, not tolerated, but beloved, enjoyed. And son, he communicated similar nature. Now, did Jesus need to know this? I'm confident Jesus knew who he was. But it was a testimony for everyone around, too. Jesus knew who he was. And it's imperative that we still ask the question, what does God say about us? So since I like kids, we're going to go back to one more. This is an experiment called the still-faced experiment. Anyone ever heard this experiment before? Still-faced? Nice. Well, it's not a very attractive name. It kind of sounds weird. In the 70s, this experiment was conducted with parents and their kids. Specifically, they're like infant young toddlers. And I want you to imagine this. They put a mom and a child in a room facing each other, and they let them interact in whatever natural ways they do. So in the video, you see the mom's playing with the kid, the kid's laughing, the belly laugh, you know, where it just gets, and it's just precious. And then when the experiment starts, the mom's instructed to gather herself and turn back with a still face and to hold it. Not, Not an angry face. It's just a neutral face, right? And what does that communicate? Disdain, disappointment? Not really. It's just, it's just neutral. And the baby then doesn't know what to do. So you see the baby kind of go through this like, this is new. But immediately the baby reengages with what it just was experiencing. So the baby then like, you know, before was pointing around the room. Now the baby's pointing again saying, Ma, look. And the mom's just still faced. And the baby starts to laugh. Ah, ah. Trying to get something out of her mom. Nothing. Still faced. And then he goes into the panic. Immediately, he's like, he's looking around the room. He's looking for any other pair of eyes to acknowledge that he's there and that he's worthy to be seen. And there's nobody. And I'm sure this is so hard for them. These mothers, you can tell, love their children. And it's not for long. It's not for long. The baby then breaks into a cry. Happened so quick. And the mom then comforts her child and reassures them, I am your mom, I'm here. And it's a sad thing to watch, but the sad thing at the end of the video is when the doctor says that for many children, this isn't a momentary thing. This is their life. And eventually you have to make up some new things in your head. You have to adapt. You have to grow out of the desire to be seen by your parents. And then you don't really look for their faces at all. And so you have to ask the question sometimes, what does God's face look like? Do you know? And when you look at him, do you see a still-faced God or do you see a happy God? Your father looking at you with love because you're his beloved one. How crazy to think that, that I think we go through the religious side of what we believe. And as long as we're faithful to God's words, we never think to look at his face. 
But there is nothing like seeing the reassuring face of the Lord look at you. Now, you might say, like, I've never seen God's face. Well, we're talking a little figuratively here because that might, like, absolutely, like, I don't know. The glory of that is kind of hard to explain. But I just mean even when you let your imagination go there and you close your eyes. It says a lot about what you believe about the Lord. Whether his face is angry, his face is happy, or his face is completely neutral. So it's worth the minute. Why don't you close your eyes just for a sec? We're going to do it together. You guys ready for a little uh, experiment? Close your eyes and take a breath. And I want you to just let your imagination go. Holy Spirit, just unlock our imagination a little bit. Bring us back to childhood. And what do you see when you look for the Lord, your Father? Father, even now we want to say thank you for looking at us. We love you. Interesting that that sometimes it'll take a moment. Sometimes it'll take a while. But you learn a little bit about the way you see the Lord when you wait long enough to see how he looks at you. And the Lord Lord was showing me this recently that, that there's this chain of belief about who God is that sometimes it gets cut halfway through and this is where fear reenters. God is... God sees, God cares, God moves, God wins. And when one of those is stopped short, that's when fear comes back. God is, but I don't know if he sees. God sees, but I don't really know if he cares. God does care, but I don't know if he's active on my behalf. God is active on my behalf, but I don't know if he always wins. And that chain needs to be repaired. For I tell you today, he is, he sees, he cares, he moves, he wins every time. So I want to wrap it up with this. Why was Jesus brave? He was also brave because he had a dream to carry. And the dream that he was carrying was you. Just crazy. It was the glory of his father and the redemption of you. Staring down a man filled with demons, tossed between the murderous waves of the sea, sweating blood in the garden of Gethsemane, dragging the tree of death and choosing the entirety of the curse of sin. Every time he could have said no, but why did he keep saying yes? Because we do crazy things for love. And the love of Christ compelled him before it ever compelled me or you. You were the dream of his heart. Hebrews 12 says it. One and two. We look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him took on the cross. He stood courageously in the midst of all the other things that wanted to disagree, the forces of darkness against him, the religious system coming against him. And he stood courageous because he loved you. Christ was confident in the goodness of his father, so you can be, and you are. Christ was confident as the beloved of God, so you can be, and you are. Christ chased after the dream the Father put in his heart, and so you are doing the same. And I was hoping to to finish with a charge, because bravery is one of those things that, that we can beg the Lord to give us, 
we can stand and we can shout. And I think sometimes that stirs up a temporary boldness because it's a rally cry, an agreed upon thing in the same kind of way we can stand at a football game and yell after the team that we love that's losing and, you know, we get this high from it. But I think the Lord wants to do a deeper work today and not just leaving us saying, God, please make me brave. I'm so tired of being timid. We're wasting so much time being timid, guys. Concern and caution needs to be laid aside for a moment, and we need to talk to the Lord about what he's dreaming on the earth. Crazy. You are the one that God wants to enact his dream on the earth. He doesn't go to the meerkat family or the dolphins and say, what do you guys think? Do you want to go, like, like advance the kingdom with me? It's you, you know? And all of our uncertainties mount up moment by moment, and then we're left with, well, I'll just wait till something else happens or until the Lord makes it very clear. He has made it so clear and he's put the fullness of his nature in you so that you will then say, wherever and whenever I'm ready and let's go. And, and it sounds like a pipe dream, but it's a lot more simple than we think. Probably because he knows we don't do well with complicated things. So I just wanted to ask the Lord to open up our eyes to see what he's already implanted deep inside of us. So what if we all stand together? And this is the last thing I'm going to say, and then, and then I'm going to pray over you. There's a, a rarely read story in Judges in which there's two people mentioned, Deborah and Barak. And Barak was the commander of the army of the Lord. And the Lord had spoken to him and said, go fight, for I am with you and you will win, which is awesome. And he did nothing. So Deborah comes up to him in Judges 4. Read about it if you want to. And she comes up and she says, didn't the Lord tell you to go attack that army? And, and you didn't do it. And Barak's response was, if you come with me, I'll do it. But if you don't come with me, I, I can't do it. And Deborah's like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm imagining that it must have been quite the scene. She was like, come on, man, what are you talking about? Barak already had the fullness of God's presence and the commission of the father in his life to go take it and win. So I want to speak the same over you in whatever way that is. It could be you as a father or a mother or a child, as a, as a worker of God, a worker in the field as unto the Lord. It could be a dreamer. I think there are dreamers in here that are so choked by their, by their, their fears that the dreams will never come to be. And guess what? The reason why you carry those dreams is because the Father does. So kind of like Deborah to Barak, I say to you, if the Lord said go or step or do it, you don't have to muster up the bravery from your gut. Christ, the hope of glory, is your courage. And you're going to do it because he's going to do it. And that's it. Sometimes we just need a brother or sister to give us a little kick in the butt of like, don't waste time anymore. There's no more time to waste building our little kingdoms here that are just going to fall away. He has a kingdom that's imperishable and the one he wants to bring it and carry it forward is you. It's you. Well, I don't feel brave. You don't have to feel brave. I don't feel full sometimes, but it's because I've trained my body to eat fourths. You are brave. You're brave. Because Christ is in you. You are brave. I don't feel brave. You're brave. You carry his courage. 
And if it takes time to sink in, let him have the work. Because sometimes the greatest regret is the regret of what you didn't do, even though you knew the father said, go. And I say this too, that even if it's been a week or a month or a year and you've been delaying it, guess what? Now's the time. The grief of I wish I did gets swallowed up in the goodness of he's gonna do it now. So I'm gonna charge you, I'm gonna bless you and you don't have to raise your hand or come forward or anything. If you long to walk in the bravery God purchased for you, then all you gotta do is say, thank you, Jesus. So let's just close our eyes and if you wanna lift your hands, you can. Father, we just wanna say that we love being yours. Goodness, what type of love is this? Not to only be saved, but that I would be replaced with the fullness of Christ. I am not just a repaired man. I'm a brand new man that carries the courage of God. And who can stand against my God and walk away unscathed? No one. Death itself is swallowed up in your victory, Jesus. Thank you. Oh, we ask you not for what you've already given. We say thank you for the bravery of Christ planted in my spirit. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. This is the way we show faith right now. We say thank you. If I don't feel it, that's okay. You choose the weak things of the world. Thank you for making me brave. Thank you for making me brave. Father, I commission your people now. I bless them with all the power of the Holy Spirit that they would walk in what you said to do. Not in compulsion, but in excitement. And not in fear, but in expectation that what you said will come to be. For you are not like man that you would lie. You are always true to your word. What risk is there when my God is on the other side? What risk is there? Truly, let the lies be swallowed up right now. We stand against every deception, every disagreement, and we stand as the brave ones and say, this is what God has said. That settles it. He's going to do it. He is going to do it. For he's the one who will be glorified in the day. Thank you. Hear your children say, we believe you, God, for this is the work that must be done. Believe in the one who was sent. Jesus, we believe you. We believe you. We are clean. We are brave. We are yours. Thank you for speaking it again today. These are my beloved children. I'm so proud of them. We look to you, Father, and see that you are not a still-faced God. You are a joyful God. You are the God who never breaks the eye contact. You're there clapping in the recital saying, this is my boy. This is my boy. What are you afraid of? I cast out a spirit of fear in this room. For you have not given us a spirit of fear. And so we say back to where it came from in Jesus' name. Back to the pit of hell. that The agenda of hell would be silenced. Everyone in this room would be overcome with the spirit that you have given of power, of love, and of a sound mind. This isn't earned, it's received. So yet again, we say, thank you, God. I have all I need in you. I have the power to say yes. I have the love to give. No more will I rob the people around me of the love they need by trying to tap into my own. I have your love. 
Take the love of heaven today. Everyone around me, take the love of heaven today. I have a sound mind. I don't have to be afraid of what will be said in that day. You said you're going to give me words when I'm in front of kings. So I have it all. Goodness, what does it feel like to never lack ever again? This is our life. So say thank you, Jesus. All that was from your spirit today, I, I ask you, Lord, please root it deep. For I need you. My words are frail without you. Our hearts are fickle without you. But we have you. And that's awesome. <laughs> I'll never be alone again. Your presence preserves my courage, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. So we're walking out today, Father, reminded of who you are. And this is enough for me. It's enough. It's enough. (laughs) And if we haven't said it yet today, God, we're in love with you. And you're the greatest treasure of our life. The joy of my life is to know you and walk with you, to learn you, to become like you. And I'm captivated by all you are, Jesus. May the lamb receive everything he died for, the full reward of his suffering. In this life, you will not receive my affection first then. I will learn and love you now. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, if you love him and you agree, would you say amen? Amen. We're just going to worship for a moment and just respond and celebrate him. Please don't forget that you're loved by him and that your sonship will never be stolen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.